Hey, this is Max, and welcome to the Ronin System Podcast. Today's episode, I'm going to get a little bit nerdy here. Um, I just want to talk about some some passions of mine, things that, are, you know, I usually always talk about, you know, StarCraft, uh, MMA, Jiu-Jitsu, things like that. But it's a bit inspired because uh, recently, if you guys follow uh, UFC or MMA in general, um, you'll know that GSP, George St. Pierre, actually officially announced his formal retirement now he's he's done like a, a hi- hiatus before he's retired before quote unquote but you know it, i think this one's official i think this is the the time in his life where he's decided that it pro- he probably shouldn't come back and i i think this is you know as a fan and as someone who's who's seen the damage that it can do to somebody who who just stays in it too long that it's a, it's a good move you know he should retire right now cuz I mean, he's not, like, on top or anything. He's not, like, pound for pound the best right now. But he's definitely made his mark. He's definitely built up a legacy, built up uh, a sort of, sort of like an air of, of invincibility to him, right? Because GSP, he is considered one of the greatest fighters of all time. He's a GOAT. He, he really is because, you know, he's got a record of 26-2. and two, And, you know, a lot of people think one of those losses, it's, it's just like a fluke. And it kind of was, you know, if you look at the history of what he did when he fought all the way up to his first loss, um, I think he was like, I don't know, 15, 15 and 0 when he fought Matt Hughes for the first time. And he even admitted it himself. You could see it visibly during the fight, after the fight, that he just, he wasn't in it. He, he was fighting his idol, you know, and he was fighting someone that he really respected and, and really admired and really looked up to. And when you, ha- when that happens to you, Usually you you lock up, you freeze, you fail, which he did. But he came back stronger and beat him twice. You know he beat Matt Hughes twice, and his second loss. You know he was champion at this time, and he got knocked out. And it was one of those instances where, you know, you, you could tell what was going going wrong because before that knockout, before that loss, he was a type of fighter to really kind of close the distance and engage early, be really aggressive, and after that. He started slowing down. He started really working on what he could do to make himself better. What he could do to close it, like close in those weaknesses, to get rid of those weaknesses, right? Or at least, if he couldn't, he would be able to essentially nullify those weaknesses. He'd make the other person play his game, and that's what was one of the things that made him great was his just his adaptability. You know, he had adapted to those fights. He adapted to those losses, and he got extremely good for them you know from them and you know I, I i talked about this on the last episode i believe where he was the one that actually inspired me to do formal martial arts he was the one that inspired me to do tr- like jujitsu muay thai mma to to get into all that he was the one that inspired me to do that because just watching him fight watching him dominate people is is just such a such an art because he's doing it at such a high level and he's doing it with the same exact strategy every single time, right? And it's incredible because, you know, a lot of people, when they first look at him and they, and they know wrestling or they know martial arts, they see him as a wrestler. They see him as this seasoned wrestler that's, that's you know, like a, he's like a national champ or whatever, like Olympic alternate or whatever. But he wasn't. He never was. He never even touched the sport of wrestling until he started training MMA, which is incredible because... The level of his takedowns, the the precision of his takedowns is is just on another level, right? And he's fought 
tons of NCAA champs. He's fought tons of, you know, Olympic alternates. A lot of guys that are really good at wrestling. And he's taken them down with ease. And another thing that he did that really sort of revolutionized the game was he incorporated gymnastics into MMA training. He incorporated weightlifting into uh, MMA training. This was something that people weren't doing at the time. This was something that people just didn't even consider at the time. Like, how would gymnastics help me get better as a fighter? And it increased his explosiveness. It increased his flexibility, his mobility, right? And it increased his timing. And it it was just something that that really kind of blew minds, right? And it still kind of blows minds today because... Even even to this day, people kind of look at his training and see what they can do to improve their own. And, you know, I consider him probably number three pound-for-pound pound greatest. Or n- number two, number three, right? Pound-for-pound pound greatest fighter of all time. A- aside from another figure that I'll talk about later. But, yeah, number two or three. Because it's it's just, he is so, he was so dominant. He was just such a force to be reckoned with. And I feel like, he could be number one if he leaves right now, right? He could he could be definitely number two if he leaves right now because this is a time where everything is just getting more dangerous. You know, he's not getting any younger, and these guys are getting better. They're getting stronger. They're getting faster using what he incorporated, right? They're doing what he did at a, at a new level. And, you know, I think he's about 37 right now. And he, he really should just kind of relax, really just settle down because he's already made a massive mark in the sport. He's already made a massive mark in the UFC in general, right? Definitely a future Hall of Famer. And now for that number one person that I'm going to talk about, a lot of people, there's a lot of controversy around this one. And this is really what s- sort of made me think more and more about just talking about legacy because GSP Again, like I said, if he leaves now, his legacy is in good shape. His legacy is is well-defined. But then this next guy, John Jones, who I feel like I've talked about before too, is just, he's a phenom, a physical freak, right? I was talking about GSP's adaptability. This guy adapts during the fight. This guy, uh, if you guys don't like keep up with USC or anything, definitely look into it to see just how good someone can be. Because John Jones... He's uh, about 31, and he's the youngest champion, or he was the youngest champion in the history of UFC, right? And he went on an absolute tear when he got that belt, right? He knocked out, or not knocked out, he uh, finished, I believe, seven, seven former champions in a row. If that doesn't scream dominance right there, I don't know what else does, because he did it in a way that they were best at, right? If they were a striker, he'd strike with them. If they were a grappler, he'd grapple with them. And that's just the thing that made him so great. Because, you know, when you watch him, every time he goes out there, it's a different look. Every time he goes out there, it's a different style. And that's really something that speaks, again, to his adaptability. And also to his, his just how creative he is. How talented he is. Because if you can do all these different things and do them good, then you are amazingly brutal, right? You're, you're, you're the best. And a lot of people consider him the best fighter to ever do it. But not a lot of people consider him the greatest. Because people have in their minds a different definition for great and best. Right? Best fighter is obviously the fastest, strongest, most technical, blah, blah, blah. But the greatest, a lot of people find that to represent, you know, the sport as a whole. 
And if you follow, you know, John Jones or the UFC or whatever, you'll know that he has a lot of controversy around him. You know, he's had drug, uh, drug abuse issues inside and outside of fighting. You know, he's been caught for uh, steroid use. He has been, you know, had, he's had legal troubles. He's had all these different things. And before you say, you know, as soon as you use steroids, you're, you're out of the GOAT conversation. I agree with that, yes. But you have to really look at the facts because the first time he was caught was for basically like hormone drugs, right? He was caught for, I guess, you know, dick pills. That's what people call them. That's what people jokingly call them. But it was things like um, letrozole or, or something like that where it's basically for pregnant women to, to make sure that their hormones are in check, right? And the second time he was caught, it was for... Uh, Terinabol, which is, it's basically just a weight-cutting drug, right? And these things, they don't necessarily mean that he took steroids. It just kind of infers it, right? It implies it. It's it's almost like a maybe he did, maybe he didn't kind of thing. But of course, outside of the cage, outside of the octagon, he's obviously had some issues that, that really kind of hurt the image of, of martial arts in general. Is You know, he's had a hit-and-run case, I think, once which was uh, against a pregnant woman. He actually hit and run a preg- pregnant woman. You know, he's had cocaine issues. And those type of things, when you really look at it, it's, I wouldn't say it's not uncommon, but it's happened before. I mean, just look at Mike Tyson, right? And a lot of people still consider Mike one of the greatest. But the thing is, you know, it's just happening now. And people are a little, little bit more sensitive now, a little little bit more, I guess, uh, trolly and a little bit more uh, sort of aggressive in, in the, what they say. And a lot of people, you know, they like to hide behind a keyboard and they like to sort of trash on him. But the thing is, you know, when you're that good, that young, you, you start to lose control. There's there's nothing that's that's keeping you in check. There's nothing that's humbling you as you go forward because every time you face someone and you just demolish them, you obliterate them, then what are you going to feel? You're going to feel like you're the greatest. You're going to feel like you're you're ahead of the curve. And the current trajectory he's going right now, it's it's very ambiguous. It's very hard to see what his legacy is going to be like down the road. Because again, he still is very young. And he's he's in his prime. He's in his prime right now. He's He's still the champ, right, for now. And he's still got all these contenders waiting for him that a lot of people don't think can handle what he can do. That don't think he can, can figure out what to do against him. And that's that's just a legacy of dominance that I think if if he keeps going the way he's going right now, if he stays clean, you know, if he if he stays uh, drug free, then he he's going to have a good legacy. He's he's going to keep dominating. I I feel him to be the best of all time. I feel him to be the greatest fighter of all time, the best to ever do it, at least for now. And I I think that's going to be a good mark on his legacy, if he can keep doing what he's doing right now, which hopefully is staying clean. But now to get, again, like I said, a little bit nerdy and to sort of talk to the opposite side of dominance, I want to talk about StarCraft. Because recently what happened, just about two weeks ago, is a massive tournament. It's called IEM Katowice. And Katowice is just a city in Poland. But IEM is Intel Extreme Masters. And they basically sponsor a bunch of esports like uh, League of Legends, uh, StarCraft. Um, I think they do Overwatch as well. But these are just games, right? But for StarCraft... StarCraft 2 has been around for 10 years, StarCraft 2. And there have been players that have been doing it that I just have such an amazing amount of respect for because they're just so good. 
you know their reflexes are insane their their actions per minute just insane like they move at a rate that people just feel like is impossible they react to things that normal people could never do that a lot of athletes i feel like couldn't even do they're at a level of mentality where it's 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 just insane and it's really hard to say who was the greatest of all time there right it's really hard to say who deserves goat status there because you know everyone's evolving everyone's getting good at the same rate but it it's a lot of wear and tear right because you're moving so fast you're reacting so fast you're doing so much your body will break down a lot faster. I mean, the average retirement age for these guys is 27, right? Just think about that for a second. 27, and they're too old. They're too slow to compete, right? And that's that's not necessarily the truth, right? That's not necessarily fact because there are people that are older than that. There's play, players that are 30. There's players that are just a little bit older, right? And there's people that retire even younger than that. But there are players that have been around since they were 13, and showing incredible dominance. But there's one player in particular who I have just a lot of respect for. And this player, he goes by the name of Sue. S-O-O. And Sue, a lot of people see him as, as an amazing player. A lot of people consider him to possibly be the greatest. But the thing is, he has this this sort of curse around him. The, the Sue curse. The curse of second. And why is it called the curse of second? Because this guy is so good. And so talented that through the eight years he's been playing professional StarCraft, he's gotten to 10, 10 premier finals. What does that mean? It basically means he's been to 10 finals for world-level tournaments, right? Where the best of the best play. He's been to the grand finals of the, of the global world championship. He's been to the finals of the IAM Katowice twice. You know, he's done GSL, which is uh, Global StarCraft League, four times in a row to the finals. And if that doesn't scream incredible, if that doesn't scream just pure greatness and power, I don't know what does. Because that's basically like if you went, you know, if, if let's say for, for boxing, you just, you went to uh, the Olympics eight times in a row. That's like for, you know, uh, something more relatable, I guess, uh, NBA or NFL, one team out of the limited amount of time they played, let's say they played for 10 years, and six of those 10 years, they went to the finals. Six of the 10 years, they went to the Super Bowl, right? Whatever sport it is, they went to the the, 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 the pinnacle of competition. And that's what this guy did. That's what Sue did. But they call it the curse of second because out of those 10 times, he has lost nine, nine of those finals. And he's only won one. And that one was a long, long time ago when the skill cap was a lot lower. And so it's it's hard to say that he's the greatest because, you know, he, he hasn't gotten past that. He hasn't gotten past that point. And, you know, I, I just have such respect for him because he's constantly kept trying. He's constantly kept pushing for it, right? And if you watch his interviews, if you watch, you know, like his discussions, he has such doubt in himself because, I mean, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't have doubt in themselves if they went to so many finals and never won a single one besides one? Who wouldn't have this sort of confidence issue where when you walked in, you realized that this is happening again. This is as far as I can go. This is as good as I am. But like I was saying just a couple weeks ago at IAM Katowice 2019, history was made for him. 
because this he said it before this will be his last year he's i think 27 and he's got to start his military service in korea because korea it's mandatory to have military service but this he said this was probably his last year of of professional starcraft and in his interviews he was saying that that just getting to the finals it's it's not enough but in his heart he felt like that was the breaking point he felt like that was it he felt like that was the cap that his legacy would be defined by silver medals that his legacy would be defined by second place and in the finals it looked to be true because what they do is they play seven games and they play uh they play best of seven and he was down zero two and he even said during the interview afterwards that he felt like at that point he, he had just given up he had just given up hope but you know when your mind give, goes away his body still reacted his body still played right he's physically still played and good thing he did because it was a reverse sweep he got four maps and that's all he needed four maps in a row that's all he needed to do and he did it he made history for himself but he made history just in general because he has finally broken his own curse he's finally solidified his legacy by defining himself as as just as good as he is because a lot of people say that if he had just won maybe three or four of those finals that I was talking about, the premier finals that he was in, then there would be no doubt that he's the greatest of all time. There would be no doubt that he's one of the greatest, at least. He's he's definitely up there. And I guess a, a major reason why I wanted to talk about legacy, not just in terms of sports, not just in terms of competition, right? Because it's really easy to define, or it's easier to define who is the greatest because you just have to look at their record. You have to look at their accomplishments, right? Like GSP, two-division UFC champ, 26-2, and two, right? John Jones, he's uh, 25-1, and one, right? And that one loss shouldn't even count because it was a, a lot of people see it as a ref's bad decision. He basically technically did an illegal move, but he should have gotten a warning for it, whereas the ref just completely disqualified him. And it's a little bit unjust because I was really early in his career. I think he was at like he was like twenty or something at that time. So, I mean, it is what it is. But those two, GSP, John Jones, amazing records, amazing accomplishments, amazing fighters, definitely in the goat conversation. Sue, one of those people that's just had this legacy, again defined by silver medals, but he's finally made a mark where he can say, "Look, I I am a champion. I am a world champion right now." I, I can basically die happy. I can retire happy knowing that I'm not limited to second place. And it's it's a legacy now defined by never giving up. It's a legacy now defined by never allowing yourself to give up, never allowing yourself to accept defeat, never allowing yourself to say that this is where I am and, and I'm okay with that. Because regardless of the fact that he got second place, he's made such a mark in the community. He's made such a mark by at least getting to those finals. And now I want to talk about legacy in a in a different sense. Legacy in the terms of where it can't be quantitative. And the first thing that comes to mind just because it was pretty recent is something like Queen, right? The the rock band Queen because they a lot of people you know they kind of go under the radar. They they did at least before the movie Bohemian Rhapsody came out. Great movie by the way. But you know, they were defined as one of the greatest rock bands of all time because of what they could do and what they did. They revolutionized music. They did things that no other band does. 
They did things that no other band did. They're, they're still revolutionary to this day in how they could move the crowd, how they could basically control the atmosphere of a, of a concert or a stadium or whatever they were doing of a performance. Because if you watch the movie, you, you, you'll get a small sense of what I'm talking about. You'll get a sense that there's such a presence to them. There's such a bravado to them. And their music, everyone knows their music. Even if you don't know the band Queen, you know their music. We Will Rock You, Queen. We Are the Champions, Queen. Bohemian Rhapsody, Queen. All these different songs that they wrote, that they performed, it's all Queen. And a lot of people don't know that. Another One Bites the Dust, Queen. Killer Queen, of course. Queen. You know, the, it's it's their music. And I believe Freddie Mercury was one of the greatest singers of all time. I believe Freddie Mercury is is exceptional singer. Probably the king of just the king of singers. The band itself, they are just the greatest band of all time. One of the greatest bands of all time, at least, because of what they did. Now... Other figures that might come to mind in terms of music, Michael Jackson, Prince, Beyonce at some point when she finally retires in like 30 years. People that that defined their generation. People that sort of shaped how music is supposed to be done. How performance is supposed to be done. And that's in a sense of legacy where you, you just can't quantify it because there can be arguments that Prince was the greatest singer of all time there could be arguments that michael jackson was the greatest singer of all time it's all based on opinion it's all based not on facts not on numbers right not on wins but purely on your own interpretation of their music your own feeling towards their singing towards their writing towards their performance and one final thing on legacy just because again it's pretty recent in my mind in my memory is alexander hamilton if you guys have ever ever heard of alexander hamilton good on you right he's one of the founding fathers of the u.s now if you've heard of him from the history again good on you but if you've heard of him from the play the broadway play broadway musical actually by uh, lin manuel miranda it's it's an amazing performance it's an amazing musical an amazing play an amazing story really because i mean aside from the fact that it was told through hip-hop aside from the fact that it was done and is still done through a majority uh, minority cast or ethnic cast. You know, besides all that, it's it's something that really sort of resonates with what I'm trying to say here. Because it's basically all about Alexander Hamilton trying to make his mark, right? Going through his history, where he's really trying to become a legend. He's, he's trying to create a legacy for himself that will last for, for ages. And... In the story, I don't want to ruin too much, but basically he, his wife, Eliza, or Elizabeth, she is the opposite. Alexander wants to become something great. He wants to become something beyond his name. Whereas Eliza, all she cares about is that they have each other. All she cares about is that they can be happy. And Alexander just wants more. He's never satisfied. Like I was saying before, a couple episodes ago, or, or a lot of episodes actually, to be never satisfied, to, to always be hungry. That was Alexander Hamilton. But Eliza just wanted to settle down. She, she felt that legacy doesn't matter. And basically what I'm trying to say, and using that as sort of a segue, is that legacy, it's, it's all based on how you feel about it. 
it's all based on what you want to do with the time you're given and how you want future generations to, to look at you. And basically, if the way to see it is that legacy legacy is like trying to grow a forest because you can start planting the seeds. You can start seeing you know saplings. You can start seeing trees. But the older you get, the less you'll see because the older you get, the, the larger that forest is to become. And by the time you pass away, that forest is still growing. That forest is still gaining momentum. That's your legacy. Your legacy is is something that you can never see. It's something that that you you, you don't get to see. It's something that after you're gone, or or even if you're you're still around, you're you're just not able to build on it too much anymore. You're not able to express it, express on it anymore. And for me, I I don't care about my legacy. I don't care if you know my great grandchildren or or even you know, my grandchildren know too much about me. They should know who I am. They should know, you know, at least where they come from. But it doesn't matter if they knew that I had a podcast or if they knew that, you know, I did jujitsu or I wrestled in high school. That doesn't matter to me, right? I don't care to be world champion. I don't care to be rich. I don't care to have a big house. I don't care about that stuff. I don't care about the things that represented who, who I am in a material way. It's to me, it's just about expressing who I am now and sharing my story with who I can. And if they feel like it's a story worth telling, then they can tell it. And that'll be my legacy. That'll be where, where I'm okay with it, where I'm happy with it. But to others, you know, they're, they're not satisfied with it. They want the, the money. They want the houses. They want the cars. They want the accomplishments, the accolades. They want to be world champion. They want to do whatever to get themselves into that spotlight, into that hall of fame, if you will. And it, it it doesn't matter to me. And one final reference I'll make, and again, I don't want to spoil it, but if you've seen the movie Coco, great movie, by the way, you'll know more of what I'm trying to say. Because you could be Papa Hector, or you can be uh, Ernesto. And what I mean by that is, if you've seen the movie, you'll see two characters in that really represent what I'm trying to say here. You have Papa Hector, who, yes, he wants to be a great musician. Yes, he wants to, to have that last. But at the end of the day, all he really cares about is his family. All he really cares about is just telling his story to the people that matter to him. And then Ernesto is the opposite end. He's the end that I was talking about where all he cared about was legacy. All he cared about was making an impact, was becoming famous, becoming a legend, you know, growing his legacy to the point that everyone knew it. And I'm not going to ruin the rest of it. But basically, those are the two sides that you can really see for yourself. That you can really use to guide yourself. And there's no best practice here. There's no side that really helps everyone. right? There's no side that, that is built for everyone. Because one side, like me, I don't care about legacy. You know, I, I just care about spreading who I was to who I care about. Right? I just care about telling my story to the people that care, to the people that matter. But then you have the other end where, again, like I said, never satisfied, always hungry, wanting to be famous, wanting to be rich, wanting to be successful, blah, blah, blah. All that different stuff that, you know, it's for me to be the best me, I feel like I have to control it. I feel like I have to really sort of get quality legacy time right i feel like i had to get you know 
spread my legacy to the people that matter. And other people, you know, they may want to have their quantity legacy time, right? They want to have their legacy reach as many people as possible. And I'll be honest, I'm, I'm inspired by both. And of course, there's very few stories that I can relate where I, I know of people who've, who've done what I want to do or have gone the path that, that I see best for myself just because, you know, it's such an intimate experience. It's such a private experience. But for people like GSP, for people like John Jones, for people like Sue, you know, they want their legacies shown. They want their legacies sort of expressed, at least from what I can see. And, you know, at the end of this, it's it's all really just a rant. It's all really just an express, expression of all the different things that that I've seen kind of relate to this idea of legacy just in the past couple couple of weeks, couple of months. But I wanted to leave you guys with this. I want you guys to really figure out what you want to do with your own legacy, right? Because we all have a legacy. We all have a history. We all have something that at the end of the day defines who we are. And I want you to think on what you feel like is the best one for you. For me, it's the intimate one. For me, it's the private one. For me, it's the one where you can really get a sense of who I was, but it's it's a tree that I can also admire myself. I'm planting a tr- I'm planting the seeds for this tree that I can admire myself and that, you know, maybe my, my children or my grandchildren or maybe even my great-grandchildren can take that tree and admire as well. And then, you know, eventually when it starts dying out, they can use it. They can use it as, as sort of fuel. They could take that tree and, and turn it into something else. And I got a little philosophical there, but that's just what I wanted to leave you with, guys. So that's the end of this one. Uh, and if you guys enjoyed that, you know, I, I feel like I haven't talked about this at all. But if you have iTunes or if you have any sort of app where they can do reviews, please do review my podcast. It really helps me out. And also, if you guys are new listeners and you want to hear more, I try and post every Monday. And for the regulars, for the guys who are returning, thank you so much for the continued support. I appreciate every one of you. And finally, I do have a Patreon page for those of you guys that want to support me directly. It'd be awesome if someone did. But either way, you know, guys, thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing day. Get out there. Get hungry. And good luck.